morning, welcome, about second, third time, we're getting there, uh, it's one of those. And I think uh, one of the things uh, that we were just reflecting on as kind of leaders on Friday night was just the fact that, that God is forever faithful, but life doesn't roll smoothly. <laughs> You know, and uh, and this, not prophetic. I just know because my phone doesn't stop WhatsApping. Do you know what I mean? There's a lot of life going on inside God Central. You know, and and in it all, can I just commend you all? Just thank you for the faithfulness of turning up with bits going on, because God is faithful, and He does call us to pursue Him, and, and no matter what. His ways are going to come through. And it's funny, or not funny, as a God instance, that we come to Ecclesiastes 9, which really talks about, if you want, some of the challenges of life and staying firm in them. And so it's, it's a great delight, really, to share what I think it was well, definitely God's word, but seems in God's season at just the right time for loads of us in God's central who have, who have been wrestling and pushing in on things. Um, you know, because let's be real, you know, whether this is your first Sunday or, or your whatever, do you mean, you know, we believe in an almighty God. We believe that, uh, that he is for us and not against us. And when we've been looking at Solomon's wisdom, which we've been doing on and on, off since the tail end of January, we're looking not just to get information. So if I want information, I can go to Wikipedia, I can go to those places. What I'm get, looking for is spirit-breathed word of God coming alive in the heart of Ben Clark and in the hearts of you guys. So I mean, you know, I can get information all around. What I need is revelation that changes my life, that helps me, that, that, that fortifies me, that, that equips me for the life that my God is calling me to and the life that my God has blessed me with because everything comes from him and goes back to him. And so, you know, as we look at Ecclesiastes this morning, as we've been doing all the way on, we're not looking from a, uh, you know, necessarily a historical angle. We're not looking at it from an information text. We're looking at it as the living, breathing word of God that is going to come into us and fortify us, that the lessons in there will help us overcome, both as individuals and as God's central family, that the lessons in there will help us triumph, to stand in the victory which Christ has won, and yet quite often we don't stand in, that, that will help us to see the kingdom of God as a strength, as an increasing place, as, as something which cannot be stopped and will have its ultimate fruition. You know, it's, uh, it's about the mission of God. It's about the kingdom of God. And Ecclesiastes throws that well by looking at one wise person's toings and froings through life. But we can look at it as, as through Solomon's writing, but also with the revelation of Christ, of knowing the, the cross and the victories. And I want to provoke us and say that, that there is more to come because there's always more to come until Jesus comes. I I, that wasn't in my notes. That was quite good with a lot of comes, actually. Uh, but do you know what I mean? You know, but it's true, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? You, you know, that, that that's what it is. And the fact that you and I are here means that God has placed us here. That, that, that if we believe in Almighty God, which most of us in here, I think, looking around do, then we think he planted us here. He's put us into, as Mark called it, the wider God central family. Do you know what I mean? F to do good works to stir one another and to see his kingdom extend in Harlow when that's our primary reason. And so the gifting in this room that you have is for the benefit of everyone, that we are more together than apart, 
that, 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 you know, it's why we need to be praying for those who we can see aren't here this morning. Because you know, one of the current battles we're finding as fighting as God central is literally we have a 50% number swing. And that has huge ramifications for us as a church. It has ramifications for setup, for worship, for kids' work. You know, uh, so be praying. And please be trying to clear diary because part of being on mission with God and putting him first is trying to be around his people and with us. Do you know what I mean? It's a big deal. You know? And, you know, and so we invest ourselves totally in his kingdom. And the theme of living for the glory of God, as I've said, is where Ecclesiastes 9 is going to take us. I'm going to read the first 10 verses, and it's going to start off with a nice, uh, a nice uplifting story. So if you, you know, but make sure you're not feeling a little bit doom and gloom, because it's going to start in a, in, a, in, a, in a literally brilliant way, and we'll flick halfway through. So here we go. So this is Ecclesiastes 9, 1 to 10. Solomon writing here. So I reflected on all this and concluded that the righteous and the wise and what they do are in God's hands. Brilliant. But no man knows whether love or hate awaits him. All share a common destiny. The righteous and the wicked. The good and the bad. The clean and the unclean. Those who offer sacrifices and those who don't. As it is with the good man, so with the sinner. As it is with those who take oaths, and so it is with those who are afraid to take them. This is the evil in everything that happens under the sun. The same destiny overtakes all. The hearts of men, moreover, are full of evil. And there is madness in their hearts while they live. And afterwards, they join the dead. Anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a dog, even, sorry, even a live dog, is better than a dead lion. Dead lion, for the living know what they will do. Living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no further reward, and even the memory of them is forgotten. Their love, their hates, and their jealousy have long since vanished. Never again will they have a part in anything that happens under the sun. So go eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart. For it is now that God favours what you do. Always be clothed in white and always anoint your head with oil. Enjoy life with your wife. I like that one. Whom you love. I like that. In all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun. All your meaningless days. For this is your lot in life and your toilsome labour under the sun. Whatever your hands finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the grave where you are going, there is neither working nor planning nor knowledge nor wisdom. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Pray this morning that, that you would bring it to life. That Holy Spirit, we would see Jesus, our great saviour, through your words. That Lord, what is on your heart would be, <laughs> would be lifted up, would find good soil, would grow. And what's of man would be gone, Lord. And we pray this morning, Father, would your, would your kingdom invade our hearts? Would you expand our minds, <laughs> everything in us? God, catch us in your vision, Lord. Lord, restore where we're broken. Where, where, where times have been hard, Lord, we pray, Holy Spirit, just be ministering to us. Be repairing to us. Just be putting on <laughs> the savlon and the bandages as we explore your word together, God. That we would be fully fit for purpose of extending your kingdom kingdom of seeing hundreds come to know you in Harlow and to the ends of the earth we ask that in the beautiful name of our Lord Jesus Christ and everyone said amen amen, amen. 
Okay, so a great passage. Okay, and uh, three points which will come up behind me, and I kept them really brief, are we have a common destiny, we have our gracious God, and no white flag. Okay, so the four first point is really sobering. Statistics don't lie. Every single on planet Earth will die at some point. <laughs> That's what Solomon's saying. <laughs> you know, nice cheery wake up, okay? And by that, we mean our current bodies will pack up. You know, as Christians, we believe, uh, obviously, that, we, that we've got eternity with God. But this fine specimen that you see in front of you, no jokes needed, no, no, no Facebook posts, this fine specimen will one day be gone. Okay, same with you. And that's the common destiny saying of everyone under the sun. In the same way that the almighty arms of God are open to everyone regardless of their background, so the same common destiny awaits every person. Do you know what I mean? You know, it does not matter you know, what your bank balance is. It does not matter how devout you are. The point is that this is finite. You know? And that's brutal, but very true. Because it comes back to Solomon's thing that life is not about the collection of things and whatever else. You know, I've been to the British Museum. I've seen some wonderful Egyptian tombs. Who's been down and looked at the British Museum at all the tombs? Amazing, aren't they? All the stuff they, they packed into them and stuff. Meaningless. That's what Solomon's saying. Absolutely meaningless. Do you mean? Because life has its meaning in Christ. You know, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know, and to bring Solomon's writings up to modern day times, one commentator said this. He said, the righteous guy who drives to church every week and the wicked guy who stole his car for a drunk joyride, both are going to die. He then went on and said, the good woman who tithes faithfully and gives beyond her needs to the poor and the co-worker who lied about her and got her fired, both are going to die. He then went on and said, the guy who reads his Bible and prays every morning before work, and his buddy who curses God and makes a, a hobby of taking fun out of Christians, both die. Brutal, but true. You know, when, when, when we're kids, uh, we're often told, you know, good things happen to good people. Bad things happen to bad people. You know, it's a common myth. <laughs> Karma, as we've talked in the past, you know, you, you get what you deserve. Rubbish. The Bible does not go down those lines. The Bible tells us, Romans 3.24, that all are justified freely by his, that's Jesus' grace, through redemption that came from Jesus Christ. That, that, that as Christians we believe in grace. And I'm going to break grace down, which is my, my next slide, okay, into a little acronym of God's riches at Christ's expense. Okay, that grace is very different to karma. Grace basically means that on your worst day, on my worst day, not just a bad hair day, not just I'm tired, not just I've got a lot of stuff to do, the day that, that is beyond where we're struggling to get out of bed, the very worst day, the one where we've thought or done things that we may not have even shared with those closest to us, on that day, in that moment, when everything now to a human perspective seems pointless, God looks down and says, I'll take you, you're brilliant. Total scandal. Do you know what I mean? That, that on that day, Father God says, come into my kingdom. There is a place. Come and walk with me. I'll sustain you. I'll pour good out on you. I've got new clothes for you. I've got a new purpose for you. I've got a new hope for you. I've got a new destiny. Forget all that. I have this good stuff for you. But it doesn't come at no price. It does to us. We freely get it. 
But no, the price, as has already been said, was paid on a bloody Roman cross by Jesus Christ. And that's the difference. that The world talks about karma, where good happens to good and bad happens to bad. We believe in a God who is slow to anger, but abounding in grace. Okay, and, and in grace, we get what we don't deserve because Jesus has made it. You know, the mystery. You know, the Apostle Paul writes about the mystery of the cross. It is. You know, I, you still can't fathom it. You know, I've followed God 20 plus years. I still cannot fathom the grace of God. And I doubt I ever will to its extent. Because it is that scandalous that, that Jesus bore every wrong that you and I did. Every thought, every action, every lie, every moment of self-doubt, every moment of self-harm, every moment of insecurity, every bit of shame, every bit of wrong, he took gladly and died for it. And then released to us the pureness that he was, the authority he had. And he calls us afresh as sons and daughters of Almighty God. He gives us a new, den a new identity. We're a new people. We're part of this crazy body called the church, capital C. You know, where we have brothers and sisters around the globe who we don't know, but one day we'll join in the throngs of revelation louder than Elizabeth, saying, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We'll be proclaiming his name forevermore. You know, because that is our destiny. You know, the German monk, Martin Luther, he just called it the great exchange, saying it's all your rubbish for all Christ's riches. And he couldn't find any better way of saying it than it's just a great exchange, a great scandal. You know, and I can do no better. But the God of the Bible, the God most of us here, I would say, serve and follow, is a good God, a God of love. And I would say the only good God. And we need to root ourselves in that as our identity. You know, God calls us and gives us good things, as we've sung about. He's not after beating us up. He's after blessing his people who are living in accordance with his word and submitted to him. You know, Jesus himself, uh, when he was walking this earth, Matthew 7, he, he said this. He said, which of you, if your son asks for bread, is going to give him a stone? You know, you heard Mark say about the, the importance of, of parenthood and these things that teach you. you know, if my daughter asks me for bread, I'm not going to give her a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. Or if you're in Nigeria, they don't have fish and chips. We learned yesterday they have fish and fish. So I was kind of thinking of that analogy when we were getting the fish and chip shop. But you're not. You know, so if they ask for fish, you're not going to give them a poison snake, are you? Do you know what I mean? You know, and it says, if you then, though you are evil, that's talking to us, know how to good give, give good gifts to your children... If we know that little bit, how much more will our Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? You know, if our little bit tells us how to care, now let's think we're, we're the creator of all, the Almighty One. How much more does he know what you and I need on a personal level? How much more does he know exactly where we fit, what we need at, right, at the right time? Yeah, and his promise in John 10.10 10 is that I have come that you should have life and life in its fullness. It's not to be beaten up. It's not to be, to be despised and rejected. No, those things come, but his delight is that we have a fullness in him. That we have an enjoyment, as Solomon's saying, of the things he puts around us in him. You know, that we are called to enjoy the things God's given us stewardship of. You know, I was sharing with the prayer meeting earlier. You know, we were sat on South End Beach yesterday, 34 degrees, baking, 
absolutely baking, sitting there. And I was just looking along it, thinking, I'm enjoying what my father has given with, with my Christian family. Do you know what I mean? You know, the sun beating. There's good stuff here. That's what we're called to do, is to enjoy what you, the things he's given us. Do you know what I mean? And to, but to make sure that enjoyment doesn't become a little God. And uh, I was trying to think of an, of an analogy. And I thought I'd go with running, because I thought if I went on anything else, it might get a bit too close to home. But this is me. So the, the problem is, I enjoy running. You enjoy your hobbies and stuff. And so the danger is that, I, that it becomes a little bit of an obsession. That actually, I do a little bit too much of it. Do you know what I mean? So, so all of a sudden, my running starts cutting in on other things. And then, because of the wonderful world we live in, there's this thing called Strava. Now, Strava takes your GPS signal and tracks it. A few of you know this. And tracks your performance over a set period. So not only do you run now, you can challenge yourself. So there's a bit of that built in. And then the beauty is you can share that with friends and you can challenge them. Not together, but in the big wide world. So all of a sudden, my, I'm going to go out for a run. Is becoming, no, actually, I need to beat my time. I need to beat my mate's time. And then to do that, I better train a bit harder. So I better go out twice as much stuff the family I'm doing this and now I need a new pair of trainers because that's going to get me the extra couple of seconds so instead of that I'm now taking a big chunk of money and they've got to be the latest haven't they do you know what I mean they've got to be everything so there's sacrifice to make the trainers and then even when I've got that now I need a diet that goes with it because I'm still not beating this time and so you get the picture your whole life becomes consumed and that could be fishing, it could be gaming, it could be careers, it could be football, it could be uh, brands, it could be image. But you get where I'm getting at. That the things that, are, that were given to enjoy, that are good, can suddenly just grow. Slowly, 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 slowly. Don't do it. Don't do it. You know, God wants us to enjoy things. He calls us to steward things well. But we need to remember that he is central to it all. Coming back, God made you and I, and he made you and I perfect. It's one that I've found a lot of people struggle with. You know, and if you do, I'd say in the mirror after church is talking to yourself, looking at yourself and saying honestly, God, you made me perfect. And don't look at all your blemishes. Don't look at anything. But that's, that's what you've got to do. And if you have to do that five, ten times a day, daily, but there has to be an acceptance that, that, the, that this is how you made me, God. Because you don't make mistakes. So, so you designed before time this fine specimen for the second time, just in case you didn't get the first time. <laughs> it's the pinnacle of God's creation. Okay? Take it up with him. Okay? But that's what the Bible says. The same about you. And those of you looking away, it's where we need to be. You know, and more than the stuff, God wants you. Yeah, he's not lacking for stuff. You know, it tells us the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Do you mean the cattle on a thousand hills and the hills? He does not need your stuff. What he desires is a people lent in on him, a people who will worship, a people who will put him first, a people who will come to a deeper place of knowing him. And this is where Solomon is brilliant in his writings. What he's basically saying is, if you've got a life lived for a pleasure bucket list, which are all the rage, meaningless. If you've got a life lived with considerable status, meaningless. 
If you've got life lived with Tesco Finest, which I think is called Waitrose, meaningless. <laughs> if you've got the latest tech, meaningless. You know, a big modern house, meaningless. A luxury car that works, meaningless. Holiday homes, meaningless. Anything outside of Christ, meaningless. Any of that with Christ and a good heart, perfectly fine. He's not against it, but he's after this. He's after how we are. He's after us coming on a Sunday morning. Yes, I, I, with gladness, I'm entering the house of my God. This is high on my priority list because you are at the center, oh God. You know, you're the main piece. Jesus isn't just a jigsaw piece. You know, I was doing a jigsaw this week at school and God just spoke to me. You know, you know, pieces fit all over, don't they? We dare not put Jesus on the edge. He's, you know, Peter tells us in 1 Peter 2, he's the cornerstone. He's the main thing. You know, he does not fit on the edges. He fits at the center. Do you know what I mean? It's not, well, I've got my life and this one little part over here is Jesus. This one little part over here is church. No, no, no. He gave you life. He sustains your life. He demands to be at the center of things because he is God. And in case you haven't worked it out, you and I are not. <laughs> I want to share a little story, and uh, I was thinking, the jigsaw really got me thinking, uh, and I was thinking of pick, uh, pick and mix sweet shops, okay, and I was thinking of them because on holiday, a lot of you know, we go up to the, the Lake District, and there's this wonderful little town we love, I know Mark and Beth love it as well, called Keswick, and, and on Keswick High Street, okay, there's an oldie-worldie sweet shop, a few of you have probably seen it, yeah, okay, Lynn and Ian probably been there as well, and, and, and this is like a major event for the Clark family here, okay? This is not just a sweet shop. This is the sweet shop, okay? And, and let me just unpack a bit. Okay, the girls are like, before we go there, how much have we got? How long have I got? Okay? So I take a deep breath. Step two steps back, because that's the husband's role in these. <laughs> and let Claire take the advanced position with the kids. And in we go into the sweet shop. And immediately, it's like, I want some of those. I want some of those. I want that one. What's that one like? What's that flavor like? And there's this chaos. And then, as they start getting the bag and the scoop, I'm not so sure. I don't want those. Have you got those? I don't want those because you've got those. I'm not sure I like those. I want to put that one back and get that one. How many am I allowed again? Why only that number? I'm not sure I like that. Ah, oh, blah, blah. And it has to be their way... <laughs> Their way, their way with battle. And those of you who are either laughing because you were that child or you've got those children. Okay? And now I want to fast track to Thomas Jefferson, the third president of the United States. And you'll see a link here. Thomas Jefferson, and I'm reading again from the wonderful source of Wikipedia, but he's remembered as one of the most intelligent founding fathers of America. And to Jefferson, there was nothing that couldn't be understood by a careful study. In 1820, Jefferson turned his genius towards his most ambitious project yet, it's written. He was going to discover the true nature of Jesus. According to Jefferson, the Jesus most people see in the Bible was an invention of early Christians. They invented this Jesus to try and convert pagan Romans and Greeks to their religion. But to do so, they mixed pagan elements and supernatural events into the history of sorry, into the story, his historical story of Jesus of Nazareth. For Jefferson, discovering the real Jesus was as simple as cutting out those parts, literally. Armed with a razor blade and glue, Jefferson thumbed through the New Testament and cut out any passages that he thought were too fantastical to be real. With those parts removed, Jefferson glued 
the passages he wanted to keep back into a single book and said he'd created a new version of the Bible. And if I'd had more time last night, I could have shown you. Historically, there are recordings. You can go on Google and stuff. And in this New Testament, the only text allowed to stay was statements and messages that Jefferson himself had decided come directly from Jesus or were accurate depictions of history. And he quotes, this is him quoted, I have performed this operation for my own use. By cutting verse by verse out of the printed book and arranging the matter which is evidently his and which is as easily distinguishable as diamonds and in a dunghill. Very confident he was about what he'd done. The truth is, though, in the Jefferson Bible, there's no reference to the supernatural. There are, there's no reference to angels or demons or prophecy. And most significantly, Jesus never resurrected from the dead. Now, you all sit there thinking that's horrendous. That's a version of the pick and mix Bible. And while I don't believe any of us would actually take a razor blade and start cutting into our cell phones, I think that could be dangerous, <laughs> okay? We need to be careful that in our daily walks, we don't start pick and mixing bits of the character of God, bits of his scripture, and trying to fit God into a mold that works for you or I. Because there is a very real danger which every Christian will face. Because as our life circumstances change, we often would want different things. But God is unchanging. He does not bow to the character that Ben Clark wants him, nor the character that Patricia wants, or Jim, or John, or anyone else. He is, and will always be, Almighty God in all his ways. Yeah, let's give him a clap, actually. That is good. Thank you. And what we need to remember is that he is God. As I've said already, you and I are not. That he is good, is always good. You and I are not. We can try to be, but we do make mistakes. He doesn't. And God is always good to his people. And uh, a lot of you will know this, but there's a, there's a poem uh, called Footprints. Who, who, most of you must have heard it. Come on, hands, yeah, it's a good 50%. Those who haven't, you're in for a treat. Okay, but the, this, this poem called Footprints is one that I, would, I'd, I think it just sums up well sometimes the Christian walk. It says this. It says, one night a man had a dream. He dreamed he was walking along a beach, South End, I think it said, uh, with the Lord. Uh, across the sky flashed scenes from his life. For each scene he noticed two sets of footprints in the sand. One belonging to him, one belonging to the Lord. When he looked at the last scene of his life and it flashed before him, he looked back at the footprints in the sand and he noticed that many times along the path there was only one set of footprints. He also noticed that it happened in the very lowest and saddest times in his life. And it really bothered him and he questioned the Lord about it. And he said, Lord, you said that once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But I've noticed that during the most troublesome times in my life, there is only one set of footprints. I don't understand why, when I needed you most, you would leave me. If we're honest, probably thoughts we've all had. And the Lord replied in the poem, My, precious, my son, my precious child, I love you and I would never leave you. During your times of trial and suffering, when you see only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. Terry Fergo, who founded New Frontiers, the family of churches we're part of, says uh, the Christian life is not like a battle. 
The Christian life is a battle. <laughs> you know, words that I would, again, say that we need to say and be real, real about. That as Christians, though, we learn to fight our battles in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because he has won the victory. And this is where we come on to the last bit of no white flag. Because we do not surrender to the enemy, but we do live fully surrendered to Christ. So there's no surrender, but total surrender. That, that, that we know that all things will knit together in the kingdom of God. That God is doing good to every single one of us here. Those who, as Mark said at the beginning, can't be here. Those who are yet to come into the God Central family. Because God loves them and is doing good to you and I. You know, the Apostle Paul in Romans 8, he says this, in verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings, okay, read this long and hard. I consider that our present sufferings are not, com are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. You tracking with that? that? That our present sufferings are nothing compared to our future glory. It's one that's hard to get around when you're in the middle of it. But it should get us an amen because our present sufferings, they're nothing because we're already called and predestined in him. You know, the same chapter, you know, Romans 8, known as the great eight in the Bible, isn't it? It says, you know, it says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. In what? Through Christ who loved us. Not in yourself. There's no point in joining the gym. Well, there is a point in joining the gym life group because they're good guys. But, but that is not in itself going to help. It's, we are, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's word, his promise to us, that our current sufferings, nothing, because that is our destiny. That is where we are heading. It's about persevering. It's about keeping our eyes on Jesus, of trusting him when there seems to be no way of learning to pray, of learning to fast, until something shifts. Because we do not surrender. We lean into God. We learn into God and say, great God, I can't, but you can. I'm out of ideas, God, but you're there. I'm absolutely tired and shattered and broken, oh God, but you are eternal. I cannot do this, but you can. And in that moment, breakthrough happens because we don't look to mountains. We look to the mountain mover. We don't look to the situation. We look to the God above the situation. And we say, God, come and have your way. God, I'm run down. Would you put a joy in my heart? God, help me to fix my eyes on you. Holy Spirit, stir me. Holy Spirit, move me. Holy Spirit, come and do these things. And let me tell you guys, this is not empty from me. just want to emphasize that. You know, I've walked and trusted God when being given diagnosis that I may not walk again at the age of 40. I've, Claire and I have trust in God when putting the emergency button and the heartbeat's gone on one of our daughters in, in birth. I've trusted God last year as he was promoted to glory when my dad suffered from leukemia. We've trusted God when literally our offering has used up our last bit of money. And yet in all those situations, are there questions? Yeah, there are. There are questions. There are questions. There are questions. You know, how, why, why me, what if, what next, how does this work out, what about them, that. But oh, you don't get an answer. What we get is, I am God. <laughs> I am good. I love you. 
I am for you. Your name is on my hands. No matter what comes in this life, you are mine and I love you and I bless you. And you feel the arms of Almighty God come and wrap around you and lift you up. And in the middle of that, we find ourselves like the psalmist in Psalm 103 where he says, bless the Lord, O my soul. It's like the psalmist is actually saying to himself, come on, wake up. I need to praise my God. Because there's a victory that comes as we learn to praise. It is the most unnatural thing. But as we declare the goodness in the middle of brokenness, it's like something happens. Because we start to get on God. You know? And yeah, we learn to praise him when times are great. We must do that. But we must also learn to praise him when times are tough. Because it's the same God. And he's more about the adventure. He's more about the journey. He's more about the climb and the struggle and the perseverance. The fact that we're leaning on him and not ourselves. That's what he is doing. And he's, and he's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us the equipment. That, that we, we can come through things. We may not come through them as you and I want. But we'll come through them as he wants. And as I'll say, three years on, I'm grateful for that period. Don't want to go back through it. Don't cycle in the winter anymore. Got a little bit of wisdom. But God did stuff. And if that's what it takes, then that's what it takes. You know, it's, I consider the present suffering nothing. Because he's refining me. He's getting me ready so that one day I enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise, that I enter without a band needing to worship because I've learned to worship. I enter with, with thanksgiving because that's how I've learned to live my life, saying, great is the Lord. And, and hear me, I'm not, I'm not on a journey. I'm at the back of the queue learning this with you guys. But that's the truth of where we come on, that our anchor is secure. Christ will not forsake you. Just will not. You know, the promise is in Scripture. And if we anchor ourselves in that, if we take hope from that, then we know we're in the arms of Almighty God all our days. And that the God of all time and eternity will move, will come alongside us, will carry us, will, will tell us, don't go that way. That's bad for you. <laughs> this is the way. And we need to listen and walk with a confidence. Not a confidence in anything else, but a confidence in Christ. That he loves us, he is for us. And one day, we will meet him face to face. And, uh, and that's where we come back to. And I just want to pray for us. And then I want to provoke us. Because we're going to... We're gonna, we've got a YouTube song, which we know as God Central, we've sung with the band, called So Will I. And it talks about just praising God. And I just want to pray for us, because I know there's a lot of life going on. But I feel God would just take Ecclesiastes 9 and say, I knew it. That's why it was in the preach series, before you even knew it. Before you knew what was coming, this is our word this morning. That no matter what comes... <laughs> We can choose and press in to not give in to situations, but to choose to fully to surrender to the one who created you and does good to you. So it'd be great if you could stand, okay? We're not going to do a, a formal response or anything. I didn't feel that way. I just felt just time for us before God. 
And at the end, I'll just come and summarise up with a prayer. If you'd like prayer, find your life group leader or I'll float around. But just want to, God, would you now, just Holy Spirit, would you just stir us, God? Lord, thank you that we are your workmanship, that you made us and you know exactly where each of us is this morning. And God, I pray that as we fix our eyes on you, Lord, that you would restore, that you would impart hope, that you would build bits that have been knocked off, that 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 the enemy has seen to to devour, Lord, that you would restore in greater amount, that that, that where things have been tough, Lord, that you would just, yeah, just put in the Holy Spirit courage, the victory of Christ. Would you just root it in us, O God? Where there are healings physically and emotionally, God, would you just bring them? Because you tell us that as we fix our eyes on you, as, as we worship, we advance in battle in worship, O God. So, Lord, be with us as we now fix our eyes on you. We ask in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.